Hi everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the Embodied Business Podcast. I'm coming to you with an episode about facilitating online communities. That's something I've been doing for, I don't know, six or seven years in different shapes or forms. And one of my biggest communities, the livelihood community, is coming to an end in its current form in a few weeks. So I'm reflecting on that, on what I really love about it, what tips I would share, what questions I think you might want to ask yourself before you begin an online community and Yeah, I'm just excited to talk about that. A few announcements from me. Firstly, the back to school sale is still coming up in September. I'm offering big discounts on my courses and maybe also on a group program and if there is space left on my services. And you can just get on my newsletter to hear about it. I won't bombard you with emails. There's three emails out going out in September about that and that'll be it so it's pretty sweet and simple but also very exciting and the second update is just that my web design practice is going really well i just completed two projects i really loved i updated my portfolio if you want to have a look and if you want to book i'm currently taking clients for october till february and you can book a free freela call just to talk through any of your questions about either web design projects or the tech and design days that I'm offering where I can help you with stuff like SEO, newsletter strategy, tech integrations, course platforms, all kinds of good stuff. So yeah, I will link to that in the show notes. Something that's on my mind at the moment, and I'm just putting a pen in here because this is not what this episode is about, but Sometimes I like to plant some seeds. I'm thinking about the idea of getting comfortable with comfort in one's business because, yeah, I'm just feeling these edges at the moment of like things are going really well. You know, I have what I've always wanted. And if I'm honest with myself, I've had that for a few years now. Like things have been really good and I feel content with where I'm at. I don't, um, you know, have things that I still want, of course, always. But I'm not in this aching place anymore. And sometimes there can these be these moments of like discomfort where I'm like, well, where am I pointing my arrow at the moment? You know, what is the next thing? And I'm just really still learning to relax into that and be like, no, this is good. You know, staying here is also okay. And I'm writing a lot at the moment. I'm maybe writing my second book, which is exciting. So that is actually something that I'm working towards. But yeah, I'm also feeling content and that's weird. I think we're not trained to really value contentment, right? On the late stage capitalism. So anyway, yeah, like I said, that's not what I wanted to talk to you about today, but I'm just bringing that up. Maybe it's bringing up something for you as well. All right, so five tips for facilitating communities online. I think the last few years really have taught us so much about connecting with people, right? Um, everything moved online in 2020 and many things are local again now, but I think the landscape of how we connect with people has changed permanently and there's good bits to that and not so good bits to that. And overall, I think it's just interesting. I'm really curious to see where technology is going how social media is changing, what AI is making possible or or not. And I think how we get together online is going to be a really important aspect of how um, 
we're we're shaping that um, direction. So five tips uh, from from my experience in the last six or so years of facilitating online communities. The first thing I would really invite you to consider is choosing the right software depending on your budget, your access needs, and your intention. So of course your budget is really important. If you don't have a budget right now, then premium software is not something you really necessarily need to look into. I would say that the platforms that are out there, you know, they're not cheap, but they really make a big difference. So sometimes in some cases, there is an argument that can be made for saving up for them to give yourself the experience that you would like to have in your online group. But there are also really great free resources and ways of doing that that can also bring people together. The second consideration that I mentioned here was access. And what I mean by that is different things, basically. Firstly, you can ask yourself, do you want to make the content available on mobiles? For many people, that's an important access factor. And it might be really helpful for them to be able to log in and access your community on any kind of device. You might also want to think about what you need from the software um, to, for it to be accessible. So if you get a free trial, which I always recommend, you know, before you spend money and decide on anything, get a free trial and really see how that feels and whether it's fun and accessible to you. Because if you're not enjoying the backend, if it's not intuitive to you, then it's going to be a real drag working in it. And it's just going to, you know, I, I think it's going to deflate the, the whole experience. It has to be fun. That's really important. And then you might need um, specific, specific things that um, make the community more accessible as well. So it could be that you want to be able to have slow, asynchronous conversations with people. It might be that you... Um, want to be able to organize content into subgroups or sub communities just so that it's less overwhelming so yeah there could be all kinds of stuff and I think the thing with accessibility is that it's really important to ask because there are some some things that I could name that are always important such as contrast or text and background uh, font size that kind of stuff that's that's just really helpful for many people but at the end of the day, we can't really know what people need. And sometimes it's not what we expect. And sometimes it's a really easy thing that we can absolutely offer them. So if you're not sure, I would always recommend just asking your community what they need to be able to participate in the way that they would like. And then the third consideration was intention for choosing the right software. And I think that really comes down to your vision for the community that you want to facilitate. So how large is it going to be? How long is it going to last? Is it really centered around maybe live calls that you have on Zoom? Is it maybe centered around more like a private podcast so people just listen? Do you want people to talk to each other? That's a really big factor. That's something that I really wanted. I didn't want it to feel like a one-to-many approach where I'm just kind of preaching from the stage. I wanted to build community where people really discuss what's up for them with, with each other. So that's why I chose Mighty Networks. So yeah, those are those are all kind of important factors. And you know, just think about how you wanted to feel when someone logs into your space. How do you want them to feel? So I'm gonna name a few options for software. Um, there's Slack, for example, which is like a messaging channel. I think um, it's cool that it's free. Um, 
you can have little profiles, you can all talk to each other. For me, it sometimes feels a little bit fast-paced in the way that conversations are kind of nested. It doesn't feel super intuitive to me personally. Um, but, you know, it's not bad and it has a free version, which is pretty cool. There's Mighty Networks, which is what I'm using. There is a free version and people often don't know that. So if you sign up for a free trial with Mighty Networks and you don't upgrade, then you just stay on the free plan. And it's worth looking into whether that might actually be enough, at least for now, for your community, because the paid plan is not cheap. It adds a lot of um, really cool functionality, such as events and polls and just other ways of um, segmenting your content. But um, yeah, you might not want to make that investment right now, which is totally okay. I'm also more and more really curious about Substack as a space to build community because I'm in some ways really skeptical. Um, I won't go too deeply into that why and, and how it's it's a big conversation around platforms and um, freedom of speech and uh, speech as harmful. But um, I'm also recognizing that in terms of access and um, the organization of content and different formats Substack is really cool and it is an option for you to start it for free so I'm um, a premium Substack uh, subscriber for someone called Catherine May for example who is a writer and she's sharing a lot of um, beautiful stuff on there so as part of um, the subscription which is I think uh, five pounds per month you get to take part in like monthly discussions with podcast guests. You get podcast episodes ad free. You get uh, Sunday journaling prompts. And then you get a creative hangout once a month, which is on Crowdcast. So it has a little bit more of a one-to-many feel than Mighty Networks, for example, has. But she does share, you know, live spaces. Um, and it's, it is, in many ways, very interactive. But it's not a forum um, and not a community where people necessarily really bond with each other so much, I think. Circle is something I've also heard of. I think that is a good alternative to Mighty Networks, but I don't know a ton about it. There's Patreon, of course. I've had a Patreon for about five years, really loved it, might bring it back one day, just needing a break from it for now. But um, to me, at least, um, you know, while you can connect Patreon to other community spaces, it does have more of that one-to-many um, approach to me because you've, you post on your feed, you can have a private um, podcast, for example, you can share all kinds of materials on there and people can comment but it, again, doesn't feel so much like a forum where people really are in a circle together. Um, you could have a free Facebook group. Um, the benefit of that is, I guess, most people know how to use Facebook and it's free. I think the downside is that it's really overwhelming and people get distracted with all kinds of other stuff that's happening on Facebook. I also don't really love how you organize content in there. So you can pin content to the top, but depending on how many conversations you have and how fast they move, it can still feel pretty overwhelming. I've also been in a community once where <clears throat> there was just a WhatsApp group and I have to say I didn't love that so much. I find the idea horrifying as a facilitator to have a huge group of people access my private phone and have my number through WhatsApp, to be honest. Um, and also I think for me at least it's not an ideal space to have deeper or meaningful conversations you know people could uh, post voice notes or videos in there or pictures and text of course 
but it would move so fast if you hadn't checked in for three or four days you'd come back to dozens and dozens of messages and I never I've always just felt a little bit behind in there so I left that group it wasn't quite right for me okay so these are my thoughts on choosing the right software my second tip is building community around your work first and I say that because I've often seen people launch a community when they didn't quite have a marketing plan in place yet, they didn't really feel comfortable promoting their work and so they set up a container that was quite committed for them. So let's say you know, you start a community on Patreon and you're offering um, maybe like twice monthly live calls and you're also committing to writing a zine for your community every month. So that is the community offering that you make. So that might tell you that you're spending about 10 to 20 hours a month maintaining that. But if you haven't built enough community around your work first before launching that, then in the, in the first few months, you might have like two, three, four, five, maybe 10 patrons. And you might start to feel resentful because the money you're making is not proportionate to the 10 or 20 hours you're putting in each month and now look if you just enjoy doing that and you don't mind not making enough money at this stage at least and you're just committed to it in the long term that's totally fine but if you know that um, you need financial stability right now and you need to really think carefully about the commitment that you make to your community then sometimes it's just valuable to really think about your marketing plan first, you know, um, make a budget for yourself for what you need. Um, think about the reach you have at the moment. So the amount of people who will see your offering and then think about conversion rates. And I have an episode about conversion rates. It can be mysterious, but also doesn't have to be. It's basically just the idea of thinking about how many signups you can expect. So if you have a hundred people you can reach out to, um, unless you know them quite well, you can expect a conversion rate of maybe like two to five percent. So that means at most you'd have five signups. And so then you can ask yourself, you know, is that really enough for me right now to start my community? Maybe it is and maybe it isn't. There's no judgment here, but I just want you to feel really comfortable in sharing your community if you're going to start one. And if you're not feeling comfortable with your marketing right now, then that's just good information and you can make a plan for how you'll get there. So let's say at the moment you're reaching about 100 people and you want in six months time to start your community, so maybe in spring next year. You can reverse engineer that. You can say, okay, I'm committing to posting on Instagram three times per week. I'm gonna get more involved in my local communities here. I'm gonna um, pass flyers around. I'm gonna get on some podcasts and be interviewed as a guest or I'm gonna build my newsletter list, right? There's so many things you can do around that and you can say, okay, by the time spring comes around, I wanna be able to reach 300 people or 500 people. And in addition to that, I wanna be really comfortable telling them about this community and that, is something you can address as well, right? It, it sounds more vague, but it's really about finding your own voice and building your confidence. So maybe one thing that you can do, for example, is um, to talk to at least five different friends about this community plan that you have. And you can notice that each time you tell them about it and they might ask questions or have feedback, you feel more and more comfortable. And you might also know, know you know, notice spaces where you don't, like maybe there's something around being seen or maybe it's something about being in leadership that you are not comfortable with right now. And so 
you know, just pick that up, do the work and give yourself time and spaciousness and patience. And, and that usually does the trick in my experience. Okay, number three, setting really clear boundaries and expectations. So that is stuff like when and how are you going to be available? You know, when people have questions, how can they reach you? How often are you going to check in with people? Are there certain topics that you're going to cover and what are the edges there? And um, I think usually, you know, you can really, the, you know, I have made beautiful experiences with people in online communities. It's been super rare that I felt a bit irritated or kind of uncertain about how to handle something. But I think expectations and boundaries also just make people feel good, you know, even if you have a sense that the people around you are super kind and respectful, it's still good to let them know what is okay and what isn't because they can then relax much more into enjoying the space and, you know, they know what to expect. So that I think includes topics as well because if you open up it up too wide and you say, you know, this is a business space, but you can also talk about your makeup that might feel kind and maybe it is in some instances but it can also feel overwhelming because some people in the space will be there to talk about their businesses and you know they might just become a little bit overwhelmed basically if there's all these other conversations about makeup and food and cats and what have you so really be intentional with how you set that space up and what kind of content and questions and your discussions you're inviting in I think it's also good to be clear with people on the size of the group because some people are really comfortable in big groups and some people really want intimacy with a small handful of people. And so, you know, let them know before they sign up what they can expect in terms of group size. Also in terms of time zones, so if you have live calls, let people know in what range they're going to be. I had a case last year where it was on the sales page, but only one time. And so that person didn't see it and they were quite upset about not being able to make the call. So now in the new um, community sign-up page, which isn't live right now, I'm naming the call times three times. So it's super clear um, when people you know, can get together live if they want to. And then also be really transparent about pricing. So you know, is there a fixed price? Are you offering sliding scales? Is there a payment plan um are you offering free spots and you don't necessarily have to you know tell your whole life story and how you came to justify that but to just be really transparent with people about how your pricing works I think is a really good idea so it saves you time and energy as well otherwise you'll get a lot of questions with people asking things that you could just clarify on your sales page I think setting clear um boundaries is also about kind of what you model so I think there's something about pacing that's interesting to me sometimes like when I started facilitating communities online I thought that kind of almost instantly responding to any question was a big service from my part and something that people would want I'm now feeling much more that the questions that really matter just take time to think about and that's valuable to anyone in the conversation right like no one wants you know sometimes people do I guess if it's a simple question but usually if it's something meaningful people would like to hear what you are thinking about it after you had a chance to think about it that's what I'm trying to say the fourth point is deciding on the right length and the right container so this is more about the depth and kind of access the commitment you want to make 
I'd say usually if you're starting out, it's good to make a smaller commitment, maybe six weeks, maybe three months. I have um, facilitated the livelihood community year by year. So people twice per year could sign up and stay for a whole year. And that's because I... I also teach smaller containers, so those would be six to eight weeks, and I really enjoy that too. I think sometimes that's great if you have a specific topic and you want to work through a process with a specific endpoint with people. So for example, the Web Design Adventure is a course where I lead people through the experience of creating their own WordPress website, or Create and Launch is an experience where through six weeks I lead people through making their first online course, and that just makes sense as a container. But the livelihood community, I felt like was much more about supporting the long-term process and growth of your business and I wanted people to really feel like they could sink into that they knew it's a sprint not a race uh sorry the other way around <laughs> um it's a marathon yeah not a sprint and that there would be long-term access and support to and around the material and I think that had a lot of benefits for a long time. One thing that I think is challenging with those longer containers is that if people pay at the beginning, they don't have so much skin in the game towards the end anymore. So, you know, if someone has paid up front and they're not on an installment plan or it's a 12-month container and they had a six-month installment plan, then there will be possibly a time in the end where they're like, well, you know, I, I got what I wanted, I guess. It's not that important to me anymore. And people just get busy and distracted that is totally normal but I think in my experience as long as people still pay for it they're much more engaged because they're aware that they are spending on it and they want to make the most of it um you know we could say all kinds of stuff around uh attention span and commitment and what does that say about you know how we engage with technology but it is what it is and that's just something that's good to be aware of I think so yeah, if I was starting out, I would start with like a six-week group probably, really see how that feels and then grow it from there if that's what you want. And sometimes you don't, you know, like short and sweet containers I think can be really beautiful as well. You don't have to have an open-ended thing or a year-long thing necessarily. And then tip number five is inviting the right kind of people. Oh, yeah, that's a big one because if you're bringing people together, you want them to feel comfortable with each other. And that's, um, that is kind of rocket science, right? I was going to say it's not that hard, but in some ways it is and in some ways it isn't. I think what has worked really well for me is to be really honest about who I am. If you've been listening for, you know, to this podcast some some years, you'll know that I'm really not a perfectionist at all. I'm pretty engaging, I'm very transparent, um, I'm really interested in politics and justice, I am very curious and creative, um, I'm not a stern teacher, I, you know, I, I think I'm quite patient, I hope, and so that will attract a certain kind of person, I guess, and so the people who've come together in my communities, usually I would say, often really like each other and get along really well and have a lot to offer each other. So I think there's something around language, presentation, um, really the intention and clarity with which you are inviting people. And that might be something that you want to journal on if you're not sure about it yet. Or you might ask a friend and say, hey, I want to start this community, but I need to flesh out who really, who am I inviting here a little bit more. And so your friend can ask you some questions and that might illuminate that a little bit more. 
Some people also want to have an application process. So if you're um, planning to facilitate like a smaller intimate community, it might make sense to have a really simple intake form that's just maybe three, four, five questions about where people add, what they want from the program. And then you can see if that's a good fit rather than just letting people sign up if they feel like it, right? I would say that over the almost five years of uh, running the livelihood community, for example, I've only had one or two cases where I felt like, ooh, that was not a good fit. There was a person, for example, one time who complained about engagement in the community and people not being positive enough. And it was kind of ironic because that person kind of had been to maybe two calls out of 20 that we had in those six months that the person had been a part of the community. and they were actually not really engaging themselves, right? Like they had occasionally posted a question like, this is what I need help with, but they hadn't really participated in conversations like the Monday accountability post or questions other people ask. And so there wasn't that sense of reciprocity and really wanting to engage in community. And um, it might really well be that that person had different expectations when they signed up. And I really sat with that. I was like, you know, where where did we misunderstand each other here? Because I think I've been pretty clear on, on what this is and, you know, the format that this is. And people will engage with that in different ways, but I do think it's a quite positive space. And yeah, I think, again, um, that's maybe also honoring the fact that it is quite hard for people to take in really long sales pages. So sometimes you might feel, gosh, I really said that, you know, there was this whole process where people could ask questions and I had an intake form and I've been really clear on this and this and that, but we're all really overwhelmed and there's, you know, there's only so much we can take in in a day. So build in some patience for that and give people a chance to ask you questions personally if they're not really clear. And another tip I think that can be really useful is offering different formats. So I usually when I open the program I will um, have a sales page obviously that's text-based and some images are on there but then I also will record a podcast episode so people can also listen to what this is and they can understand more of the details around that through just listening to my voice and for some people that will work better and it will give them a better chance to make an informed decision and really think about whether something is right for them. The last thing I will say to that, I think that um, pressure and fake scarcity can contribute to a group not feeling coherent or well-matched because if we do, you know, the kind of marketing that's like, hey, you have 48 hours to sign up, this will go away, I'm not offering this ever again, then we're putting a lot of pressure on people and that might not be the best situation for them to make a decision on whether the group is really for them or not. So that's, I think, another benefit um, of a more gentle, more well-paced marketing approach, if that makes sense. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope this um, has been helpful for you. If you have any questions, let me know. Sign up for my newsletter. Watch out for that space for my sale next month. And Feel free to reach out to me if you want to talk about working together on your website. Bye.